Round of applause. Just Uh, thank you, Tim. And on piano was Christy Kim. And then uh, this lady just comes in and says, hey, I'd like to help in any way I can. I do music. Um, would you like a Christmas choir? And we said, do I like kimchi? And, I, and so, so her name is Shang Chu. She's a conductor. She devoted her time organizing this, leading this. Uh, can we give her a big hand? Thank you so much. It's one of our hopes, uh, I think like two months ago, three months ago, one of our uh, choir members for a long time said, it'd be nice to have a Christmas choir. And we said, let's do it. And that was Pat Mosley. And we said, hey, let's just go get him. And she literally went out into the courtyard and just said, hey, you're singing in choir. Can you sing in choir? And so it's great to celebrate Christmas because we're singing these songs to our Savior. And we're celebrating that this is a joyous time. In the midst of darkness where people have turned away, God has given us his light. And boy, do we need it. And that's our hope, even in the midst of this darkness. Uh, as they were singing that, though, there's a modern meme. I'm not sure if you saw it. Uh, it said, like, woman, you know, Mary just gives birth, puts the baby to sleep. And this little boy says, you know what she needs? A drum solo. And so I thought that was really funny. I guess I was the only one. So... We welcome you all, and let's turn our hearts uh, to the word. And before I, pr I read, uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much for coming to us when we couldn't get to you. When every religion says that we have to earn and do and accomplish for us to be received by you, you come to us and to save us. And in our helplessness, Jesus, you lived the life we should have lived. And you died the death we should have died. And so in you, Jesus, we are so grateful to have joy, even in the midst of pain and suffering and even death, because when you rose, you defeated it all once and for all. And so, God, our hearts rise to you. And during this week that's going to be busy for many and maybe somber for others and maybe just lonely, we're reminded at this moment that with you, God, we are never alone, for you're a God who comes to us. You are Emmanuel, God, with us. And so as we turn our hearts to you and your word now, may your Holy Spirit guide us, teach us, and lead us, convict us, and may you give us more faith in this Christmas season journey. Thank you, Lord. We, these, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, I invite you to turn your Bibles in the pews, or you could follow along on the screen. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. This is also known as the Magnificat, very rarely read in Protestant churches, but it's in our Bible, so I don't know why, but we'll talk about that in a moment. And so let's do this. Let's do alternate, alternate reading. I'll go first, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. 
He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. And so Mary writes this right after meeting with her cousin Elizabeth. Mary just found out she's going to have a baby, and this baby will be an immaculate conception from God. And she's so excited, she goes to Elizabeth, her cousin, who's been pregnant for six months, also through a pretty much a miracle. She's in her 60s or 70s, and we found out a couple of weeks ago that the record for giving birth in the world is 75 years old, some lady in India with twins. And so it's, God can do these things, but the timing of it is enormous. And so Mary finds out she's going to be giving birth to the Savior, and she writes this wonderful song. We call it the Magnificat. It's from the Greek, uh, the Latin wording, which says, uh, Magnificat anima mia dominum. And so the church took it on recently as the Magnificat. It was a poem, but they made it into a song. And so some denomination churches sing this at the beginning of every service. Now, this song makes people uncomfortable. This is why Protestants, I think they surveyed, less than 20% have heard this read at church. And so the two weird discomforts that Protestants have, the first is whenever we talk about Mary in the sermon, we talk about Moses, we talk about Abraham, we talk about Joseph. But when we bring up Mary, Protestants get a little bit nervous. And it's understandable because we think it's associated with, oh, that's what Catholics do. But FYI, Mary is also Protestant theology. (laughs) She's also part of our story. And so the meaning of Mary has been thrown out as I say, the baby with the bathwater, like, so we try to avoid Mary as this kind of quiet, passive girl who gives birth, and let's move on, and I love the youth skit. Didn't they do a great job? My goodness, Uh, that was incredible, and so if you notice, the voices were not the youth group students. They were our kidsmen, and Pastor Pia coordinated and put this all thing together, so thank you, Pastor Pia, for an amazing way to worship, celebrate Christmas. But I was really struck by their acting. They're, you guys are good. You guys are, you guys are good. So, so Mary, um, played by Ingrid Arredondo today, was just, just really well done. That's actually the picture of Mary, wasn't it? Uh, not a blonde, blue-haired girl. <laughs> teenage girl. Not from, uh, Ingrid is Lat- Latina, but Mary is from the Middle East. And so we see this picture, and it was so helpful that we were there with the story. Wouldn't you feel like you were there? And so, especially when Herod died and he got carried away, <laughs> that, that was so fantastic. So, so Mary is this key figure that we, we kind of glance over. But the second reason why people don't like this Magnificat is because it talks about bringing down the boastful, the arrogant, those in power, bringing food and supplies to those in need. And so it was so disturbing for certain people, mainly the rich, the wealthy, the powerful who abused it. They didn't want the poor people revolting, inspired by the Magnificat. So in three countries at one point, it was banned in 20th century. India, Guatemala, and Argentina. They actually banned it because they don't want people to get ideas 
that all people should be deserving of food and, and opportunity. And so the Magnificat reveals something about Mary that I, I really, were, I was thankful and I learned that Mary is, has got some, sus, like this, a sus, what's the word I'm trying to say? Substance and dimension. We never really saw that in Mary. When you see someone write a song and you read the song, the song reveals a lot, doesn't it? Uh, just as a FYI, did any of you ever try to write a song in this room? Oh, that, nah, you guys are a bunch of liars. Some of you wrote it. In, in, in high school, I wrote a song for a girl that I, I had a crush on, and, and it did not go well. But, but you know the words to the song, you don't talk about like, oh, the cactus and the lilies. You talk about your eyes. You make my heart flutter. So the song reveals what's really deep in your heart. And so when we read the Magnificat, you see Mary's understanding and theology, her perspective of the world, that she's not this kind of a teenage somber girl, but she's rich. She's got depth. She has substance. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a German pastor. He died under the hands of the Nazis. This is what he says about the Magnificat. The most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary hymn ever sung. Wow. From Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And so what we have failed to see during this time is that Mary is this quiet little girl who, who was obedient and who had faith and who said, yes, let it be so. But the song really reveals, boy, this girl had a perspective of life that is so vast. So what did this song reveal? Let's talk about that as we go to Christmas. What does she know about the coming Savior who was in her womb? And so it makes me want to ask that question. Mary, did you know? And if you listen to 95.9, it's on like every 20 minutes, literally. I'm not kidding. The other day I turned it on. It was on. Shopped. Came out of the car. It was still on. And I'm like, what? And the answer to Mary, did you know, did she know? I think majority are silent. I think it's she did know and she didn't know at the same time. What did she know? She knew his name should be Jesus. She knew that her, the Savior of the, earth, of the world was going to be born through her. She knew. What she did not know was the vastness, the wonder of this baby growing up to be Jesus, healing the blind, dying on the cross, and rising again. So yes, did she know? Yes, she knew the wonder that God was going to bring someone to deliver us. And she also didn't know to what extent. And so let me ask the, let's ask the writer, the, the author of that song, Mary Did You Know, was Mark Lowry. And he, there was a Christianity Today article. He wrote this song in 1991. I thought it was like long ago. Like 1990. Just kidding. So it was 1991, and, and he was interviewed because people are criticizing him like, yeah, Mary knew. You know, why would you even write such a silly thing? And he's this kind man who never got married. He's in the 60s, very good guy. And he's like, he's taking this criticism with lightheartedness. And they interviewed him. This is, these are his words. Why did you write this? How did you write this? He says, literally, what was it like teaching the word of God to talk? He was imagining. Imagine that. Jesus, the creator, Mary is looking at, how do you say Google Gaga, Dada? How do you teach the word of God to talk? That's a great question. 
he said, referring to the title, what was it like to have him give him a haircut? Did she ever walk into his room and say, clean up this mess? We portray to the world that we're superhuman beings and we're not, he told religious news services in a 1999 interview. We're just sinners in need of a savior. Still, Mark is grateful for what he called the miracle of the song. Larry, who has never been married, views his songs as his children. None of them, he said, has grown and had a life of their own the way Mary Did You Know has. Most of all, he hopes the song will point people to the story of the baby Jesus and what his arrival would mean. So that's all he's trying to do, just point us to who is this Jesus? And so as we go into it, we kind of find out, get a glimpse of Mary, the mother of Jesus' perspective as she writes this song. So there's three things I want to share today. What did Mary know? And Mary, in this song, it's revealed, she knew Christmas was God's spiritual deliverance. She knew Christmas was the beginning of God's spiritual deliverance to us. This is where we differ from the Catholics a little bit. Um, some Catholics hold that she is sinless, uh, that she still remained perpetually a virgin. And so when we read this, we realize when she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Be, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. That's great up to there. She's like, man, who am I that I will be known? For he is mighty, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. God is my savior. She wasn't referring to political salvation. She was referring to also spiritual salvation. So Mary says to herself, and this is something we learned today, boy, I am in a humble estate. When's the last time you spoke like that? I am just a humble servant. Ask, let me, how can I serve you? Isn't that a beautiful saying that we all need to learn? I, I, so this is just a side note, but what if the church members, instead of walking around like we are important, because that's already been validated by Christ, what if we said, I am your humble servant, how can I serve? See, a lot of us, we talk like this in church, like, hey, what are you doing for me? What, what, what's the church doing for me? How come this isn't happening for me? And when you look at Mary, this is what the church should look like. I am the humble servant of God. How can I serve? And the church said, Oh, come on now. And the church said, so there's the pastor, elders, deacons, children, parents, all of us, we hold this position. Who are we? We're sinners in need of a Savior who, who have been redeemed. So who are we? People in humble estate. Tim Keller says this about Christmas. Christmas means not just hope for the world, despite all its unending problems, but hope for you and me despite all our unending failings. This is why we can't criticize other people's sins. Because the more you criticize other people's sin, you have no idea how big your sin is. So if you approach Christmas through the reason of Jesus' birth, you see that it's extremely hard to be arrogant. And so there's something about this beautiful picture we saw. It makes us say, who are we that God would do this for us? Who, so Mary say, who am I that God would give birth of the Savior through me, and today the church in 2021, who are we that God 
would choose to pluck us out from death and give us life through Jesus. Who are we? Are we smarter? Do we figure it out? No. By God's sovereign grace, for whatever reason, he gave us this gift. We are not entitled to Christmas. We have been given Christmas because we fall short. That's humbling. And that's a good place to be. It doesn't make us important. It makes us special. But it makes Jesus Christ very amazing. And so Mary knew that. Mary knew we were sinners in need of Savior. Second thing she knew, Mary knew that Christmas was God. I love this. Upending the powers of a fallen world. This is so cool. Um, commentary pointed this out. In Luke chapter 1, 51, 52, it reads, He has shown strength with his arm. He, God, the Lord, has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. You know what that means? It translates this way. God is allowing the proud to go about in their own imagination of their lives that they are important people. They're li living in a, as young people know in Marvel world, a multiverse of their own that thinks that they're special and powerful. And God is upending that with the birth of a Savior. Now Luke captures this well. Because in the beginning of Luke, um, chapter 1, it starts with this. In those days of Herod, king of Judea, and then Luke chapter 2, verse 1, listen to this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, he starts out these narratives of Zechariah and Mary with a king. And I thought it was just giving a timeline. But Luke's doing something here that's pretty cool. He's basically saying, in those days, these people were in power. Caesar, Herod. But the real power was coming. These people are controlling the society, but the real power is about to be born. This is the beauty of Christmas. So when people, Luke is telling us, when people think we run this world, America is the greatest nation, Korea is the greatest nation, Mexico is the greatest nation, we all say we're the greatest nation. Look back at history. Where's the Roman Empire? Where are the Assyrians? Where are the Babylonians? Where, where's Genghis Khan? And so somebody said, Nero thought he was the center of this universe. Now Nero is dead. Jesus is glorified. And we name our dogs Nero. Man's power, no matter how big it gets, will be upended by the God who is in control. Daniel chapter 4 verse 17 says this. In the Old Testament, the Lord Most High rules the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will and sets it over the lowliest of men. The reason why Joe Biden is president, to the chagrin of Republicans or anybody else, in the end, it's because God has ordained it to be so. Why was Trump president? Well, we had more red states. At the end of the day, 100 years from now, None of this will really matter to those people. But in the sovereign cosmic universe, God is the God of power. We are not. And so the portion of this Bible, the reason why it was banned in Argentina, India, and Guatemala is the people in power want to stay in power. We want our pride. We want our arrogance. We want our control of our lives. Some of you are really good control addicts. 
And then every day you wake up and realize, I am not in control. So who is in control? God is saying, when Caesar and Herod were in charge, God was really in control. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, does that give you hope? And for the proud, it makes us crushed. But there's mercy for you. What is Christmas asking us to do? Bow and humble ourselves before the baby born in the manger. And so the way of God unfolds is literally humbling. Um, you know that song, Almighty Fortress is Our God? I'm not going to sing it. Why are you all laughing? So, but hear the words. Did we in our own strength confide our striving world would be losing? Would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the statement, and he must win the battle. The warning is, don't take positions of power thinking you're something great. When you are given positions of power, it is an opportunity to humbly show the world what servant leadership looks like. That's going to transform the world. And too many of us in churches, in Korean churches, in Hispanic churches, white churches, we're all the same. We take positions of power and we think we're important. When the higher we go, the lower we must be. And God is upending the world with the birth of a Jesus. So if you think about Jesus, he should be king who was put in a royal crib, but he was in a manger. He should have entered Jerusalem riding on a chariot, but he rode in on a donkey. He should be wielding a scepter saying, I am the king of this universe, and he wheels on the night he was betrayed a rag. And instead of sitting in the gold throne as a ruling power of this universe, he goes to the cross. God is upending the powers of this universe, and he's doing it still today. And the more we think we're higher than others, we have not understood Christmas. And so finally, what did Mary know? Mary knew that Christmas was God's kingdom established on earth to be the light and a source for love for humanity. And so whether you're Christian or not, the church exists to bless the people. The last words were Luke 53, 54. She writes, she sings, or she wrote, He has filled the hungry with good things. The good things for hungry people are, happen to be food. And the rich he has swept away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. It's Christmas. It's a time of charity and gift giving. This is so cool. Uh, it's a time for service and kindness. And I see even non-Christians, let's give credit, the world does get a little bit better during Christmas time. People want to help out. Angel Tree last, yesterday was so awesome to see all of you. You guys made it happen that, to see us as a church trying to serve one another. And so, but where does that come from? Um, recently, a lot of pagans got mad at Christians. They said, you stole our holiday. Have you heard that? They, they really believe that. So they say, the Christmas tree is not yours. The wreath is not yours. And to that, I was thinking about how to respond. And I said, I was thinking, take it. Keep it. <laughs> Our Christmas is not a tree. 
our Christmas is not even a wreath. In fact, the way the pagans celebrated Saturnalus, Saturnalus, I think that's how I'm pronouncing it right, the pagan ritual, was they were offering sacrifices to gods for protection. Even human sacrifice. What does Jesus do? He doesn't demand sacrifice. He gives himself as a baby, as a sacrifice for us. What? You can have all the glitter, man. Give us the baby Jesus because this is God. This is Christmas. And so why do we give gifts to each other, not to God's? Because the grace passes on to one another. We've been blessed. Who am I to hold this on my own? So we have these two commands of God from the Bible that Mary grasps. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So Mary sees the poor and the hungry. You have given good things to them. How is that going to happen today? Raise your hand, church. Here am I, Lord. Send us. We have been receiving blessed gifts of you from Jesus. Who are we to hold it together? Amen. Let's all stand together uh, for this Christmas litany. And so we'll do this in response reading. And it's just a response declaring who God is and where we are. So let's, uh, I'll read first and then you follow. If we look at our own lives, we must confess the mixture of giving and selfishness. Our waiting on the Lord turned to an endless rush. Our missing the mark of Advent. But we can also trust in God. But let us all draw water from the wells of salvation. Let us shout it in church and in town. Amen.